Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Um, I'm Paola. And I'm Danielle. And today we're talking about the first installment of the Fear Street series, the new one on Netflix. Um, so we'll be talking about Fear Street 1994. And this is an American teen slasher film directed by Lee Janik. And it's based on the very popular book series by R.L. Stein. Um, and it is, like I said, the first installment of the trilogy, which we will be talking about. So this is the first of a three-part series for us as well. Um, and yeah, and as always, Danielle. And spoilers! Watch out! Spoilers! Oh my gosh! Spoiler alert. A big one. So, yeah, if you haven't seen it, go watch it and come back. Or, as we always say, if you don't care... Stick around. Oh boy, oh boy. And keep watching this review. Here is the Wikipedia plot synopsis. In 1994, Heather Watkins, a bookstore employee, is murdered by her friend Ryan, who had previously shown no indication that he planned on killing her. After murdering her and several mall employees, he is shot to death by the police. The media report the massacre as the norm for Shadyside, which they dubbed the murder capital of the United States. Many of the Shadyside teenagers believe that this is a result of the witch Sarah Fear, who placed a curse on the town before being executed for witchcraft in 1666. Dina Johnson does not believe in the Fear Witch and has recently broken up with her closeted girlfriend Sam. Meanwhile, her brother Josh spends time researching the town's history and her friends Simon and Kate sell drugs. Dina and Sam meet again at the vigil in Sunnyvale for the victims of the mall killings where a brawl between the students of Shadyside and Sunnyvale breaks out. The Shadyside students' attempt to retaliate causes a car accident that lands Sam in the hospital. However, before she is taken away, Sam sees a vision of the Fear Witch. The following night, Dina and her friends begin to be stalked by whom they initially believed to be Sam's boyfriend Peter and his friends. However, when Dina and her friends visit Sam, one of Shadyside's past killers murders Peter and several others in the hospital. After hearing about Sam's vision, the group realizes that the accident disturbed the grave of Sarah Fear and that Sam bled on her bones. They also realize that the killers only want Sam and that they cannot be stopped by reburying the body or destroying the killers. Through Josh's collection of clippings on the Shadyside killings, they discover that C. Berman, a survivor of the Camp Nightwing massacre in 1978, died but was resuscitated. They attempt to call her, but receive no answer. They organize a plan to kill and revive Sam using drugs from a supermarket pharmacy, only for Sam to vomit up the pills. The Shadyside killers attack and murder Simon and Kate, as Dina drowns a willing Sam. The killers disappear, and Dina revives Sam using a combination of EpiPens and CPR. Afterwards, the police decide to place the blame on Simon and Kate, as they were known for selling drugs. Sam and Dina reconcile and publicly come out as a couple. Later that night, while Sam is at her house, Dina receives a call back from C. Berman, who tells her that there is no escaping the witch. Sam, now possessed, attacks Dina, but is subdued and tied up. So, yep, pretty much that was the synopsis. Mm-hmm. Let's get into it. Um, so I have some initial thoughts about this movie. You can tell right away, even though it's like obviously in the title of the movie, but it's very 90s reference heavy. Like very 90s oh, yeah. reference heavy. I was like, okay, I get it. It's the 90s. <laughs> um, like right away, just like the mall 
um, and like the way that the mall looked and the way that the people were dressed. And um, it reminded me of uh, Stranger Things, kind of. I think there's a part of season three that takes place in the mall, right? At the end. Spoiler alert. Um, yeah. So I just, I got the 90s vibes like immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, though, that the beginning scene at the mall I thought was pretty good. Mm-hmm. With like the uh, the girl, I think her name was Heather, getting killed, and it had a lot of scream vibes, a lot of mm-hmm. Stranger Things vibes. Like it was just very like classic slasher intro, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. I thought like it was obviously paying homage to slasher movies, but it was kind of like also setting up the stage for what was about to happen. In the rest of the movie and, and setting up the story, so mm-hmm. yeah. I I was looking up some uh, like Easter egg stuff because I was the, thinking that there was just so many like little references spilled in there, like you're saying. And um, since these are both produced by Netflix, mm-hmm. uh, they like knew that people were gonna draw comparison between it and between this one and Stranger Things. Yeah, so. There's actually a little Easter egg of a sticker on um, uh, Dina's memory box that she had. Mm-hmm. There was something that said, like, I think it said, like, I didn't write it down. This, there was a sticker that was in the font of Stranger Things, and I think it oh. said, like, Wild Ones or something like that. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and these, you mentioned the Scream thing, too. And I think they even, they tried to make, like, the, the, her pulling off the mask which happens in Scream also, and, like, her being, like, chased and, like, like oh! Mm-hmm. So they, they tried to make Yeah, it. the whole sequence was very, mm-hmm. very Scream. Mm-hmm. So I can totally see the inspiration there. Um, and also, another point of comparison to Stranger Things is just the fact that Maya Hawk is in it, too, and she's also in Stranger Things. So. Oh, that's... She's in the part two, I think? Who? Maya Hawk? Wait, what, who's... Who? Maya Hawk is Heather. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. There's a person in part two mm-hmm. who's also in Stranger Things. Mm, I don't know who. Uh, I, we haven't seen it yet, but I think it's a girl with orange hair, Max. Oh, right, right, right. She's in... Yeah, you're right. Okay. So, yeah. So, we haven't seen part two yet, but we will watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was another uh, thing that I caught. This is why I originally looked up the Easter eggs thing, was that... Um, in the beginning with the little book scene when they're, like, mm-hmm. panning across, um, yeah. the books said that they were written by uh, Robert Lawrence, which is R.L.'s... Real name. Real name. Yeah. And um, apparently the titles that are on the books are actually, like, titles in the Fear Street saga. Uh, I thought that might have been something, too. I just... I'm not familiar enough with the book series to mm-hmm. have spotted that reference right away. Yeah. But I was like, they're really showing us those, so they must mean something, you know? Yeah. So another, not to keep comparing, but I feel like, you know, the the way that this movie was made, it's it's just very reminiscent of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it also reminded me, like, the rivalry between um, Shadyside and Sunnyvale reminded me a lot of Riverdale. Oh, and, yeah. And, like... The Riverdale High versus the um, Southside High, where, like, the Southside serpents were. 
And, um, but yeah, there, it was very that, I think. It reminded me a lot of Riverdale. And some of the drama aspects of it, too, I feel like, mm-hmm. was very, it's like a, it's like very reminiscent of, like, old teen slashers and old teen dramas, but with this, like, new twist or, like, new flavor. Because I think, like, if I compare this movie with Riverdale, I feel like they have a lot in common as far as themes go and as far as just the way that the characters behave and Mm -hmm. stuff like that is very similar. Yeah, I can see them being in the same, like, universe or something, like the next door, next door neighbors or something. Right. Yeah. I think that there's something about, like, teen dramas and and, um, anything to do with the horror, like, genre uh, is so, like, amped up. Like, teen, I feel like... I don't remember being that angsty as a teenager, but, like, everything that I've seen so far, like, like I said, Riverdale, and before that, um, I mean, this is kind of a little bit older, but Pretty Little Liars, too, was, like, very dramatic and very angsty, and I was like, what? Like, <laughs> this is not how I was when I was a teenager, but anyway, like, they really, they really like to amp up the emotions. I don't know if that's how teenagers are now, but if they are, oh my god, that's crazy. <laughs> What else? Oh, yeah. You're next. Um, There is the part where, um, a little bit further on in the movie, when they have the trails of blood that lead to uh, Sam in the bathroom, and all of the monsters, not monsters, but all of the henchmen come at, like, the same time, basically, and they all, like, follow the the line into the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And, like, something about the way that that scene was set up it reminded me of, like, Scooby-Doo, where, especially, like, one of the Scooby-Doo movies, when they have, like, they're facing all of their past foes, mm-hmm. and they, like, have to, like, trick them into, like, traps and stuff, and I was mm. like, oh my god, this is Scooby-Doo. Yeah, I, I could totally see that vibe. Like, mm-hmm. their little plan that they concocted was very, very Scooby-Doo, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Except for the lighting of the people on fire. That's oh, not Yeah. <laughs> They got barbecued. I wrote that in my notes. They they had a barbecue. And it still didn't work, but it was pretty clever. I was surprised. I was like, that's a really clever plan for a bunch of teenagers, but I guess that's what happens when you're, like, about to get killed or your friend's about to get killed, so. And when you have Josh on your team. That kid's smart as hell. He was really smart. You know who he reminded me of? Not to keep going off, but he reminded me of the kid from It, the chubby kid. Oh, I can't remember his name. I can't remember the character's yeah, name. Yeah, it's uh, hmm. probably gonna say the wrong name. Yeah, I'm not gonna I, say I don't remember his name, but I'll put his picture right here so you know who I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, because I thought didn't he also do like some research into yeah the town? Like he was like the guy that knew the things about the town. So I feel like there was some parallels there. Mm-hmm. And then probably parallels too with like Dustin from Stranger Things. That's who I was gonna say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so then also I was thinking of um, the kid in Danny Phantom. I don't know. I never saw that. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you guys are Phantom heads, and you know what she's talking about. Yeah, the little kid with the with the PDA. Mm. And the, no. PDA? P, uh, personal something device. Yeah, and there's, there's the little electronic ones with the little pen, and you, like, use it the to, palm? like... No, but it, it had a, a shortened it, name that was yeah, like P-something. P I don't know what it is, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so he'd have that, and he wears a little hat. Yeah. Going back to the beginning, kind of, 
So there's like a scene where, or actually the whole beginning of the movie when we're introduced to Dina as a character, one of the very first things we find out about her is that she's heartbroken, she just went through a breakup, and there is a very purposeful avoidance of mentioning any pronouns when it comes to Dina's uh, ex. They just keep calling her, calling, I guess Sam, we know it's Sam now, but they keep calling her your ex or my ex or like just Sam, never specifying a gender. So I feel like I was a little surprised by that um, because I felt, it felt to me, and maybe I'm wrong, but it felt to me like it was supposed to be a reveal. Like it was like, oh, you thought it was the guy, but it's actually the girl, you know? Mm -hmm. And I felt like they were either trying to play with, with people's, like, play with the audience's perception of heteronormativity in a horror genre. Mm -hmm. They were like, ah, you thought it was the guy, didn't you? But it wasn't, it was the girl. So I was like, that's a little bit clever. But at the same time, it being a teen movie, I would have just assumed that they would have, like, came right out, came right out and said it, you know? Mm -hmm. Because I don't think that it's really, I don't think that it's really worth a reveal if that makes sense not that it was like a big plot point and actually one of the things that I did like about this movie that I'll talk more about later is the fact that you know at the center of the story are are two LGBTQ plus characters and they're you know them being queer or them being lesbian isn't so much it's part of the story and it's part of the love story but it's not used in a way to other them mm-hmm. at all which I really liked um, but I was a little bit thrown off by this like reveal of like ah she's a lesbian and you didn't even see it coming you know yeah it was just kind of weird to me I think uh I I don't know if this is um something that they pulled like from the book maybe there was a reveal in the book and they were trying to like stay to the material I have no idea but I wouldn't be surprised especially since it was like written a while ago I'm sure yeah I would actually be surprised to know that the book actually includes a lesbian character as the main character mm-hmm. i I am assuming and i am obviously I could be totally wrong because I don't know anything about the books that they kind of took that liberty themselves and and adding her as a character into the movie and being gay you know like mm-hmm. i I don't know that that was part of the actual book, but if it was and then, then yeah, you make a good point maybe that's how it was written in the book, and they kind of wanted to stay true to that mm-hmm. so. That was one of my first things that I was like, hmm. You know what, too? I was mad at myself because they got me. Really? Because I saw the trailer. I saw the trailer and I knew that I saw the main, the, I think Dina's supposed That's to be the main they character. That's what didn't get me. Yeah. Yeah, so I saw her, her laying in bed with Sam and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, they're, they're a couple or something. But she said her ex, so I figured that she was going to date the other chick after mm. and that her ex was somebody... Somebody else. Yeah, and the way that they did the camera work really tricked me, too, because they were, like, it made it seem like they were zooming in on the guy more. Yeah. And stuff, and so I was, like, I was, like, I even wrote in my notes, too, I was, like, oh, her ex, the football player, and then I, like, it did the next scene where Sam came in, and I was, like, erase, erase, her ex, the cheerleader. <laughs> I didn't, I mean, I did see the trailer, which, mm-hmm. like, that that I think that is why they didn't get me, because I was, like, already... I didn't remember Sam's face, but I just could tell from the way that they were communicating 
from the way that Dina was communicating with her friends prior to the reveal, mm-hmm. that they were trying to purposely avoid me- mentioning any pronouns. So yeah. I was like, oh, okay, it's going to be that girl, you know, and they're trying to trick you or something. But I'm surprised they got you. I even saw it. And, like, I knew. I knew. I was like, oh, yeah, she's going to be dating a chick. And mm-hmm. then, like, but then they got me. <laughs> I was like, ah. got gut. I got gut. I'm dumb. <laughs> but, you know. I think, I mean, it was designed to get you. I, I'm i just more, I think they did it well. I'm just more so confused as to why it was even necessary, you know? Yeah, probably just more drama, more like... Yeah, I guess so. More like, oh my god, can you believe it? In this town? In this political climate? Uh, so another Easter egg would be the... They called him the Nightwing Killer, which was the one of the henchmen that the one that had the bag on his head and the axe. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be like a direct, like basically like um, creature. No, like it's supposed to be like it's literally it's basically almost an exact replica of like the original Jason Voorhees. Oh, because they said that he killed a whole bunch of kids at a camp. Mm-hmm. And then I think it said in the first movie is the one where he's wearing a bag on his head before he gets the hockey mask. Yes. And he's, like, going with the axe. Oh, that's right. So I haven't seen that movie. I don't know if I've seen the first one. I'm, I've seen one of the other ones, but mm-hmm. um, I, I saw that and I was like, oh, okay. I was thinking that it was supposed to be something like that when they said that he killed a bunch of kids at a camp. But right. even more so that they, like... Ripped off the way he looked, kind of. I mean, not ripped off, but, like... They were paying homage. Paying homage. Yeah. yeah. So, I thought that was cool. Yeah. So, something I will say about this movie, and you probably felt the same way, because I think you were in a worse position than I was, is a lot of the key scenes happen in the dark. Like, in the dark, oh, dark. Yeah. Like, super dark, dark. So, we watched it in the daytime, and we, like, drew our blinds. We usually watch the movies in the daytime, and usually drawing the blinds, like, does the trick. But I feel like even with the, you know, with the blinds closed, it was still really dark. And I was, like, just yeah. trying to, like, figure out what's happening. And I'm just interested to see if anybody else had that same experience if you watched it in the daytime. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, even if you watched it in the nighttime, maybe even then it was still too dark, you know. But I thought that was something that, that was kind of weird. I don't know if it was intentional or, or what, but... Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of important things happen when the scenes are way too dark. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there was a part where where I was having trouble seeing um, after Sam and Dina go to the the two police officers, mm-hmm. and they did like a zoom up um, of the officers like mm-hmm. belt, and I thought they were zooming in on the keys. I couldn't see the the gun in the background because it was like blending in with the background yeah. because it was everything so dark. And then when she attacked him and took his gun, I thought that they were trying to tell us that she took his keys. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. And then you're like, "Yeah, gun." And I was like, "Oh, okay." Because like a second later, <laughs> she, she was something. like, "What could I get?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. She definitely took something. Mm-hmm. I had some like symbolism stuff. I don't know if it's like symbolism, but it was like camera work that they did and and the timing like lined up with like things that were happening or like you know supposed to be like artsy stuff Mm -hmm. um when sam and dina first confront each other in that like hallway alley alley thing um the the light turns off and then it like goes it cuts back 
the light turns off outside and then it cuts back to one of their faces and then the other light on this side goes off and it cuts back to one of their other faces. And I felt like it was supposed to be like showing that they're like, like not, I don't know, something. It's, it's supposed to be saying something. Yeah, I think maybe it was meant to be showing that they're on opposite sides of things. Especially in regards to their main conflict, which is that Sam moved to Sunnyvale, right? Mm -hmm. And um, Dina stayed in Shadyside. And she's like, why did you move? You're not being yourself, blah, blah, blah. And they have this whole conversation about how um, Sam is saying that she just wants something better for herself. Like, why are you hating on me? I just want something better for myself. Mm -hmm. But then Dina's like, oh, but you're not being yourself. You know, whatever. So I could see what you're saying. They're probably trying to show you them in, like, opposing sides mm-hmm. um, because they were obviously broken up and in a fight. Mm-hmm. So They, like, take the scene further, too, and then they do the, like, very obvious, like, uh, the football and cheerleader team of each side, like, starting to get into each other's face. And, like, they like they had, I think, the same type of thing where one team, like, moved up to talk shit to the other, mm-hmm. and then they showed, like, the corresponding um, school's, you know, representative of the two, mm-hmm. like, walk up to say something to the other one or something, or, like, zoomed yeah. in on their face, and then the other one moved, and the other one close yeah. up on the face. So I was like, oh, yeah, is their school's about to fight? They're about to throw hands or something. They didn't throw hands, but... <laughs> no, but that, I mean, yeah, it definitely just brings forth that it's, like, so much more than about them being broken up or about them uh not being able to come come out to their friends or their family it's like they're feeling like they're being torn apart by this like rivalry between the two sides and kind of for Dina um I think Sunnyvale represents something that she doesn't see as genuine and she doesn't want Sam to kind of go off and do um, what she thinks is, like, you know, better for her if she's not being true to herself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's a it's a good moment that kind of represents the, the rivalry between the two sides. And uh, also, I mean, if you could see it as some social commentary as well, because obviously one side is really wealthy and the other side is poor and you know, crime-ridden and everything. So I'm sure there's something in there about, you know, social status and and um, stuff like that. I don't think that the movie is quite, I guess, heady enough to make those sort of references. I don't think they're really trying to be deep. Mm-hmm. But you could, if you really wanted to look, to, like, look into it, you could totally see that it's about, like, wealth disparity and et cetera, et cetera. So, Danielle, what did you like about this movie? Well, I thought that the movie had really good pacing for the most part and that I, I was, like, entertained. It had a lot of, like, things going on. Like, it was very high action mm-hmm. for being, like, a horror movie, I feel like. Yeah. Which was, um, good. Um, so I, um, thought from the beginning, like, I already mentioned that I liked the scene in the beginning that's very, like, scream and very, you know, classic slasher movie Um, I really like particularly the lighting in that scene because they primarily use the 
lighting from like the neon signs in the mall and it's all pretty much like blue or like really bright colors. I thought the acting was really great as well. I thought I like seeing um, like unknown faces in like specifically in teen, anything teen related in horror movies because I feel like if you see somebody that you know already, especially if you see an actor that you know is not a teenager and you're like, you're playing a teenager right now, it really tends to take me out. Mm -hmm. So even if like, I don't necessarily know that these actors are actually teenagers, but just the fact that I don't really know much about them is already good enough for me. And I can kind of suspend disbelief and buy into the fact that these are a bunch of teenagers in high school mm -hmm. um but I also just like I thought they were good actors aside from that um the guy who plays Simon who's the friend oh yeah we've seen in Woman in the Window which we talked about a few episodes ago um you should go watch that if you haven't seen it yet uh he was Simon in this movie and he was much better suited for this role oh Definitely. Yeah, like, Definitely. I didn't like his performance in Women in the Window, but I think it had more to do with the character that he was playing. Um, but he was, like, he was perfect for the role that they gave him as Simon. He was really funny. He really brought, like, the, you know, the comic relief to the movie. And, yeah, I just, I, I thought he was pretty, uh, like, a really good actor and a standout in the movie. I feel like I cared about his character, which is another point that I had that, um, I thought that the the characters, like, building bonds with each other and, like, they made me care about the characters. And, mm -hmm. like, at the end when, when the two die, um, Kate and Simon, I, I was actually like, come on, guys, don't die. Yeah, so. I was surprised. I was like, wow. First of all, I was surprised by, like, well, I won't get to it yet, but the goriness of it all. And then also the fact that I didn't, I thought they were all going to make it out because mm -hmm. that's usually what happens in those movies, like... It's a group of friends. Yeah, some of them die, but usually it's the ones that are, like... Not the core group. Exactly. Like, they're not part of the core group, so I was surprised to see that they died. But, yeah, it was a very sad moment. And I, I totally agree with you that they do a really good job of, of making them, like, connect with each other, and therefore it makes you connect with them as an audience member. You're not just invested in them as characters, but you're also invested in their relationships that they have built in front of you in the movie, so... Mm -hmm. Especially the, the little scene between um, Simon and Josh before they split up. And he's like, yeah, dude, like, you're cool. And, like, uh, Kate knows it. And, like, you know, mm -hmm. you know, you guys not stand up for yourself, but you got to, you know, put more stock in yourself mm -hmm. and, like, value yourself more. And, like, you can do this. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> they're friends. They are friends. Yeah, that was cool. Too. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought that the all of the like chase scenes were filmed really well. Like they had really um, good angles and like, I don't know, just the way that they filmed it made me feel like they were chasing me. Yeah, like you're in the middle of the action. Yeah, um, and that I think specific, eh, I think specifically to it, what helped that was the acting of the henchmen. Mm -hmm. Uh, specifically the axe guy. The axe guy? If I saw that shit, I'm fucking, I'm having a heart attack. I'm dead already because that, that was scary. That was pretty scary. Like, the way that, I don't know, he's just, like, really, like, aggressive and crazy. And, like, mm -hmm. you can't see their face. So, like, there's not even any, like, 
facial expressions to rely on. So it's just right. like all body motion, which I feel like is even harder to convey. Yeah. But he did a really good job, and I was like, I'm out of here, dude. Run. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, he was yeah. good. He was a good one. Or even though I, I thought the way that they introduced, like, the LGBTQ characters or, you know, the fact that they were lesbian was a little questionable the way that they introduced it but overall I do like the fact that they're at the center of the story and how normalized it was in regards to the story you know Mm -hmm. it wasn't ever obviously they talk about their fear of coming out um, especially to their parents but or at least not to Dina's but Sam to her mom you know Mm -hmm. Um, but other than that it's not ever really used as like a way to other them, you know, they're just teenagers, which is, like, the way that I think a lot more movies should handle the topic, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not, it shouldn't be such a, I know that there are certain stories um, about LGBT people, LGBTQ people and their struggles that require bringing up more negative aspects of it and um, kind of pointing out the struggle because, it's, you know, it's a real struggle. Um, but I also think that there's something to be said about being able to normalize it in certain storylines where it shouldn't be as much of a factor, if that makes sense. I hope I'm making sense. I'm not trying to speak on behalf of uh, anyone because I'm not part of the community, but I am an ally. <laughs> so, uh, but I just, I just really like the way that they handled it, I will say. I also really liked the opening credits scene mm-hmm. at... Not seen. The opening credits where they're, like, you know, showing all of the old newspaper articles and, like, showing old, like, footage and stuff like that. Um, I thought it was really uh, well planned, I guess. Not planned, but, like, the way that it's, like, sequenced is really good. And they put it there long enough for you to get, like, the basic, like, headlines, but not enough for you to, like, look into it more. But that's okay because, like, they explain it more later, but it just kind of gives you some, like background slash setup information like as you're going into the film yeah it it kind of played like uh the intro of a show Mm -hmm. which makes sense because it's a series so i already mentioned this briefly but the gory parts are pretty intense i usually don't like to watch super gory stuff but sometimes it's like so obvious that it's fake that it's cool to watch Mm -hmm. so like as soon as i saw the whole um what was it a meat grinder or i think some sort of slicer something like that yeah yeah there's there's a scene that scene with the deli slicer really got me Uh, at first i was like oh my god this is gonna be disgusting and i was like that's kind of (laughs) cool right (laughs) it was cool i was like oh my god i did not expect that like yeah for it to to be that crazy for like you know a teen movie you know Mm -hmm. um but it is, it's like a step above, like, you know, the Goosebumps, you know, movies, which aren't scary at all. Yeah. So I was like, damn, they really went there. But it was, it was pretty, pretty well executed, and I thought it was really neat. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny that you mentioned the, because I was kind of expecting, like, Goosebumps, but, like, a little more, maybe, like, uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark level, mm-hmm. where it's, like, just a little bit above Goosebumps, but then they're, like... Yeah, fucking drugs, fucking flipping people off, and yeah. like I was like, whoa, okay, this is more more teen than I was. I'm telling you, like, teens coming aren't, into teens aren't built the same way. 
more. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think that Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the... Well, maybe Are You Afraid of the Dark was targeted... I think that was targeted towards, like, pre-teens. Pre-teens, yeah. So... But this is full-on, like, like teens. teens. Yeah. yeah. So... But, yeah, I mean, the, the way that... It was on par with, like... The, the themes, like, you know, like, there was two friends that sold drugs. There are some sexual things in it. It is on par with, like, like I said, Riverdale, which has a lot a lot of that in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's, like, made for teenagers, but it kind of almost goes, like, a step above that. Um, but, yeah. And, and not to mention Euphoria, because that's, like, on a whole other level. I feel like I'm dated, because I keep on thinking of Degrassi every time, and you're like, yeah, teen drama. And I'm like... Degrassi. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, that that's a good uh, point of comparison. Like, Degrassi? I don't know. I never watched it, but I can't oh. imagine that, like, some of the themes and, like, storylines were anywhere near what, like, Euphoria or Riverdale has to offer, you know? But I don't know. What, I don't know. From, from what crazy. you remember, from what you remember, what is, like, the most intense thing that you watched in a Degrassi episode? And then well, I'll tell you if it kind of matches the level well i know that the character that drake played in the show got shot and became like handicapped from the waist down like um not able to use their legs what context did he get shot in i think that he was in a don't don't come for me i didn't i only would watch it when i was at my cousin's house in the summer (laughs) they really liked it so i'd watch it with them all the time but like only in the summer but i think i think he was in a gang and he got shot Okay, that's And funny. then there's, like, uh, the one chick, Emma, I think she struggles with, like, anorexia and bulimia. And then, like, uh, there's, like, a trans character who gets, like, bullied. I know there was, like, a funeral, and everyone was like, oh. Okay, never mind. That is pretty on par. It, it's got a, it's, it's it's got a lot that happens. And it's not an American show, right? It's Canadian? I think it's Canadian. Yeah, maybe that's why it's a little bit more, mm-hmm. like, for its time, it's a little bit more intense. You know? Yeah. Um, it's Canadian. It's too high. <laughs> yeah, Canadians. Eh? <laughs> sorry. Sorry. We're sorry <laughs> about this. Sorry I shot you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it does sound pretty gnarly, but honestly, like, Euphoria, like, made me scared of teenagers. <laughs> Just because it's so intense. Like, it's really crazy, but... I like the sort of explanation... I don't know what you'd say exactly of how the the dead are being like manipulated I guess mm-hmm. and that's that they're like it's not that they're just corpses that she that the witch is animating it's like she's like materializing them and you can see that after the barbecue scene in the bathroom where the hand like clumps back up like uh Terminator 2 style <laughs> and like and then like goes to grab Josh, and I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. I like that they explain that she's, like, actually doing, like, more stuff and that they can't just She was simply, a witch after all, yeah. So. yeah, so I thought it set up the story pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also interesting for them to start with, you know, the newer, not newer, but, like, uh, older, I guess, in chronological order, mm-hmm. because it does go back to 1978 and then 1666. So I was curious to see how they were going to kind of play that out because obviously it has to go in reverse order of mm-hmm. the story so I thought it was like a good this this first one was like a good way to kind of set up the story for what's going to happen next what, what did you not like about this movie? I didn't like a few things um, mm-hmm. 
I thought that even though it's obviously a teen movie and it kind of probably aims to touch on all the things that we already discussed as far as making it fit into the slasher genre um, I thought that it was cool for it to pay homage but I feel like sometimes the narrative got a little bit lost in those like teen quips or like cliches that would make it like a slasher movie you know I think it was trying really hard to you know pay tribute to those movies that sometimes it kind of lost its own identity mm -hmm. and it lost like it made the story maybe not move forward as smoothly as as it should have if that makes sense so it just was a little bit even though I get it like I get what they were trying to do and what they were trying to go for it does sometimes feel like a little bit forced mm -hmm. you know like they're trying to fit this uh specific genre or like aesthetic or whatever you want to call it into their specific story and they're you know they're trying to add so many of those elements that sometimes it, it got bogged down by them as opposed to you know helped or or improve you know the movie mm -hmm. what did you not like about this movie uh okay so one of the first things that i that i thought about the movie immediately and i was like hmm was I feel like they were trying to beat us over the head with their music budget. <laughs> and yeah. I was it reminded me of like when I'd be in the car with someone and like let's say the radio's on and that they just keep changing it like halfway through a song to a different station. Yeah. And I was like, okay, we get it. We get it. Like that's kind of this... part of what I mentioned in the beginning was like, whoa, okay, get it, it's the 90s. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and it also kind of plays into what I just said. It was like, look, this is a 90s movie. Look, this is a teen slasher movie. Like, it was just very heavy-handed. But yeah, I totally agree. It was like, it was just this song now. It's this song. Now. Too like, much. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's enough slices. <laughs> Something else that I didn't like was at times... I felt that the exposition was a little bit, like, clunky. I think not always, but sometimes. Mm -hmm. And um, I could, I thought after, I was like, eh, that's something I didn't like. But then I was like, maybe I could give it the benefit of the doubt because it is the first one in the series. It kind of is burdened with kind of establishing the story and building up what is going to happen in the next two. Mm -hmm. So I was like, maybe that's part of it, but could it have been done better? Probably. So that's one of the things that stood out to me as something that I didn't really like, but also something that I'm somewhat willing to forgive. I think that the dialogue was kind of weird sometimes. Mm -hmm. I think it might be because they are having to do a lot of exposition, like you said, but also like, I don't know, just some of the like interpersonal conversations that they were having it would be like I don't know maybe this is they're trying to be like you know this is how people talked in the 90s or something mm -hmm. but like I don't know just even just like the basic I don't know what you would call it etiquette or something it just it seemed kind of off sometimes I was like this is weird so this is the last thing I didn't like and I kind of already touched on it but I will say it again I think that even though it was trying to go for a specific genre um and, and trying to follow in 
in the footsteps of, you know, or, or reference other horror movies that are very popular slash movies, mm-hmm. I do wish that they would have broken away from that a little bit and, like, broken the mold a little bit because a lot of the times, like, it did feel like it was following a certain formula, like it was very formulaic. And um, I feel like when you're trying to pay tribute to other movies or the genre itself mm-hmm. and you're trying to be a little bit self-aware with it, I think it can work. But if it's too much, then I think it just makes your movie kind of like a parody of itself. And I don't know if that's what the intention was. Maybe it was. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they were really trying to hit you over the head with, like, look, this is a teen horror slasher. Like, this is what you're getting. Like, this is what you should expect. But at the same time, I don't think there's anything wrong with asking for a little creativity when, you know, when kind of paying tribute or following a certain formula. I feel like there's, you know, there's so much that you can do nowadays. You know, this is a modern movie, so even though it's set in the 90s, it's a modern movie, so they have uh, all sorts of resources and um, just different ways in which they could have made it just a little bit more interesting. So I have two more things. Um... Uh, one is a, I guess, a directing choice. Uh, they did this a lot in the movie where they would have, like, something in the background that, like, zooms by, and they'd put, like, a jump scare noise, mm-hmm. and they did that, like, a lot, or when the the person, like, fakes, they, like, try and fake you out that there's gonna be, um, someone coming up to a knife, someone coming up to Dina with a knife in their hand, but then they end up just, like, writing rip on the locker, in the oh, beginning yeah. and they did like this very particular jump scare noise that's not supposed to be a jump scare but it's supposed to be like hey look there was something in the background mm. and I feel like that's very like <laughs> you don't need to do that yeah but that's a little complaint I guess and then the other thing is that there was a point in my notes where I wrote come full circle with drug dealers drugs and that's why they needed to steal the ambulance and I was like, okay, this was all making sense now. Like, why they were, like, bringing, like, these things in to it. I was like, okay, they're going to use their drugs that they sell to make um, Sam OD, and then they're going to use the ambulance equipment to bring her back. Mm-hmm. But then they just go to the pharmacy and use the pharmacy drugs, and then they don't use any of the stuff from the ambulance. And I was like, why did they even need to steal the ambulance? Just for fun, I guess. Just for fun, Like, yeah. what happened to his keys? Where'd they go? Probably just for show. Yeah. So I was like, I mean, that was a missed opportunity. They could have totally... I mean, I guess maybe they don't know how to use the... <laughs> but they could have, like, gotten the EpiPens out of the yeah. ambulance or something. I don't know. Yeah. I felt like it was a missed opportunity. Right. I have a couple of questions... <laughs> a couple suggestions. Yeah, a couple suggestions for you. Um, so tell me why, tell me why, were they restocking in the dark in the very beginning of the movie? And also, they were like the only two employees in there besides the fucking janitor? Like, I was also confused. I thought maybe the power got cut off or something, but she seemed like, oh yeah, this is normal. Yeah. The whole mall just closed already, and I'm I'm still here, and I'm restocking in the dark. Not unless it was, like, like automated lights that turn off. They should have been, get the fuck out of there already. What are you doing there? Didn't get their work done. They're very loyal employees. 
I don't know. That's a good I question. I wouldn't know though. about that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, so I totally thought that Dina was going to be have something to do with the witch in the beginning because she gets a nosebleed before Sam even gets a nosebleed. And yeah. I was like, uh, what was the point of giving her the nosebleed? She could have just like had her hand slip on the cooler and then that's why it fell off. It didn't have to be that she got a nosebleed unless it, you're, they're trying to say like the witch gave her a nosebleed so that they would crash into her bones. Yeah. Like, I don't know. That's true. The, like Dina's nosebleed never really came to be relevant again, right? Mm-hmm. It was just the fact that she got a nosebleed, so that she had to drop the cooler, which caused a car accident, etc., etc. But it also, like, why would the witch give her a nosebleed they in order to disrupt her bones? To dis- Yeah, like, it doesn't seem like she wanted her bones to be disrupted, so I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of weird. And speaking of bones, I have another bone to pick with that, <laughs> with those bones, <laughs> because... Why is her fucking grave above the ground? How? How? What? Did she marry like, like a bunch of yeah, years like ago? like like three hundred years ago? It's bullshit. That's like <laughs> maybe people maybe like the teens are up to no good. They like to mess with graves, and they dug up her grave, and now her bones are chilling. <laughs> I don't know. I guess you could try and argue maybe that they didn't bother to bury her, and they just left her in the. Yeah. But I feel like... Because they burned her, right? Yeah. Or, just, I think so. Or no. Because why were her bones... Do bones not burn? I don't think so, right? That's why when in movies when they have like a fire pit, people find bones in the bottom of like... In the coals. But what about... People being cremated? <laughs> Comment down in the section below if you work in a crematorium. No, well, no, I'm gonna guess. Do bones burn? I'm gonna say I think bones do not burn, and maybe they grind up the bones. Oh no! I know it's pretty gross, no. right? They, no bone dust. Ew. I'm just—I don't really know what I'm talking about. I'm pulling this out of my ass, but I really hope that's not the case. I don't know. I think I, you just scarred me for life. I'm because I've seen in other movies when they're like, yeah, and then they burned someone's. You know, someone in the in the you know the fire of their house. They chopped them into pieces and threw them in the fire, and they burned them. And then they're like, "Yeah." And we dug around in the ashes, and we found finger bones, and we found, you know, uh, Who are femur. You talking to? Huh? Is this real people that you've heard about? No <laughs> movies. Okay, I was like, <laughs> no movies, okay, movies. Okay. I don't talk to people who burn people in the fire pits. <laughs> Come anyway, on. That is a very fair question, to which I have no answer because. Okay. Yeah, I agree with you. What the hell were the bones doing there? Yeah, and then also, too, if if let's say that they, they burned her and her bones don't burn, and it's been 300 years, you would think that somebody would have came across them and, like, picked them up. Yeah, messed with them, or, like, they would have got buried by, like, dirt and, Animals like, and leaf litter, and, yeah. and it was just, like, on the surface, barely, with, like, just a couple of leaves on top of it that they, like, pushed off real easy. Maybe her bones specifically didn't burn because she's a witch. Maybe. And maybe the, maybe, just maybe, because she is pretty intent on this curse that she's got on the town. She, like, raised her bones up out of her own... I wouldn't put it past her. She seems like the type of girl who would do that. <laughs> she you wants know? to stay relevant, you know? <laughs> Alright, I'll buy that. I'll buy that for a nickel. <laughs> um, and then my last question, and this is my 
my biggest, oh, no, probably, it's, it's about the same level as the last question, but you know how they had, like, mop buckets, like, full of blood, apparently, that mm-hmm. was Sam's blood? Yeah. Where, where, where did they get all of her blood? She needs a blood bag after all this blood that she's lost, and, like... Well, I know she cut her hand. Enough for, she, for three she, hallways she, to be... She purposely cut, maybe they probably watered it down. I mean, I guess it looked pretty red on the on the floor, and then they later too they like had her blood and they smudged it on them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, they just keep cutting her up. So they <laughs> use her as bait, poor girl. I just assumed they like took some of her blood and put it in the bucket and like added water to like thin it out and then use that to kind of spread on the floor or something. I hope so because <laughs> she's like she's just like dried out. <laughs> Like, doing this, wringing out her, like, arm. She already, she she went through a lot, I will say. Poor Sam. I have some predictions. Okay. I have some predictions, and I'm predicting that Sheriff Good is gonna have more character development, possibly. I agree with you. I think that Mm -hmm. he probably was involved in the camp stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. He might have even been young enough to be a camp attendee. Mm-hmm. Or maybe like a counselor, or whatever they call him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, probably because he seemed like somewhat important, but not specifically in this story. Like, he was there, he was... I honestly couldn't decipher whether or not he was good or bad, mm-hmm. which maybe we will find out more about. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. He's probably going to be more relevant than in the coming, uh, like, the second part. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he was supposed to be playing a role of, like, uh, typical movies, like, the things happen to the kids and the adult doesn't believe them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then later, I think it was him who drops a note into someone's door that says it's happening again. Mm. Um, and then when he interviews them later, he's like, yeah, hey, I'm sorry I didn't listen to you before. You guys were right. There's some stuff going on. And she's like, well, it's too late. Yeah. Just blame it on my friends, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um and then secondly, I think that the janitor is going to show up again. The janitor from the mall in the beginning, because at the end, he right. gets the paper clip from Josh, and then he gives him a business card. And I think he's going to ask the janitor guy for help with something. Yeah, I can see that Because otherwise, I don't see why they bothered showing us the business card thing. Mm-hmm. My final thoughts are that I think the... Series itself seems to have a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. So even though I don't think this was, like, amazing on its own, I think that, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how it fits into the series. And I feel like, I have a feeling that I'll like the series more as a whole rather than the parts, like, specifically broken down. So that's just kind of, like, the gut feeling that I have so far because obviously we haven't seen the other two parts Mm -hmm. but it just seems that way which makes sense because like it's meant to be one whole story you know yeah this was just the first part I'm excited to see the second part because I feel like we're gonna get to see a lot more of the uh Nightwing killer uh aka Jason Voorhees um homage so I feel like he's going to have his own, like, thing, mm-hmm. and I'm going to like to see him being crazy again. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So, Danielle, what did you rate this movie? So, 
I gave this movie a 7.8 out of 10 infinite blood supplies. What did you rate this movie? So I also rated it 7.8 out of 10 deli meat slicers to the head. <laughs> that's a mouthful. Um, but yeah. So that's going to be it for today's episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought in the comments below if you've seen this movie, what you thought, if you enjoyed it as well. If you like our podcast, make sure you give this video a thumbs up and make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, if you have any comments, questions, or movie suggestions, you can email us at danielleandpaula at gmail.com. Um, you can also give us a follow on social media. So we have Instagram. Our handle for that is Hysterified Podcast. And then we also have a Twitter. And our uh, handle for that is going to be Hysterified Pod. So you can go ahead and interact with us on there or with other people and, you know, just have fun in the comments and all that. And then also, uh, if you're using the Apple Podcast app, go ahead and leave us a review and a rating. That'd be awesome. Thank you. And, uh... We'll see you guys next time. Bye.